the Goonge podcast from uh, Whistling Woods. And today we will be talking about the Ramayana. Quite topical over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, with Dudarshan having brought the serial back, the, the 1980s serial made by uh, Ramanan Sagar at that time. It seems that uh, India has flocked to watch it. Um, uh, and uh, it set, apparently set a, a record uh, viewership um, in this time. And uh, we thought that we'd like to revisit um, what the Ramayana means to us today, uh, why uh, we still think that um, it has so much importance, and what are the the young people today who have uh, migrated from television to OTT, what, what are their uh, interests in perhaps relooking at the Ramayan outside of the lens uh, that perhaps they've grown up looking in. Joining me today are our uh, panelists. Uh, we first have uh, a man that needs no introduction, and I keep saying that, yet I keep trying to introduce him, but I'm going to say that he's our Whistling Woods' is head of uh, screenwriting uh, and uh, an eminent screenwriter uh, himself and uh, one of uh, this country's uh, foremost uh, screen academics, uh, Mr. Anjum Rajabali. How are you, Anjum? You well? I am good. Thank you very much. I'm keeping safe until now. For our second panelist, we decided to go um, and find uh, somebody um, from the television industry, has spent uh, now over 15 years uh, in, in TV uh, production. She's been a fiction head of uh, Star Plus. She's worked with Z. She's worked with Colors. Um, and now uh, has her own production company um, and is producing uh, a number of TV shows across a number of channels, as well as looking at opportunities in OTT. Um, and that, of course, is Susanna Guy. Hi, Susanna. Can you hear us? Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's dive very quickly into uh, the topic today. And I'm going to come to Anjum first. You know, obviously, you know, you're a man who um, has has studied and, and looked at um our mythological stories um, quite a lot. Um, and, you know, if you are thinking of the Ramayana today, in today's context, um, what do you think are the most important aspects of the story? See, if you were to actually look at the original story, I mean, the epic as it stands, and I'm referring to the Valmiki version, if you were to boil it down in a very succinct way to what the story is essentially about, then it is the story of a man who was determined to stick to the principles and values which he believed were righteous. And no matter what, no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how impossible the nature of the choices that he had to make in the course of his life, he was determined to stick to those values. And the Ramayana actually gives us a sense of how awfully difficult that is okay merely to live life according to one's principles is like a huge almost like a cosmic challenge and here was one man who actually was determined to stick to it and that can be quite inspiring particularly rahul today in uncertain times with covid where life and death sometimes hangs in the balance there is a mortal anxiety which seems to have got in people are sometimes forced to make choices between selfishness between their protection looking at others being compassionate all these uh, sort of options and pressures have caused a certain turmoil which are bound to affect everyone. At that time to look at a story like this perhaps gives you a certain succor, gives you a certain inspiration that there goes somebody 
who braved worse challenges but actually tried to stick to the paths that he'd chosen for himself. That's a, a really good and, and interesting way of, of looking um, at that story. Susanna, um, what do you think was has been the kind of um, interest in, in people today um, to go back and revisit, but which is, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's fairly a, a dated production um, at this point. Yet still, um, taking on from what Anjum said, um, millions of people um, have flocked in every week to, to watch the Ramayan on, on Doodarshan. What, what do you think is, is part of, of that um, interest in, in people today? Um, so, you know, a couple of things on, if I was only to talk from the strategy part of television, um, of course, the reach of uh, Doodarshan is phenomenal even today. And I don't think the audience is getting the kind of content from Doodarshan that uh, it should get, considering that Doodarshan reaches even the remote areas of India. And television as a medium has always been hungry for mythos. So starting from the 80s, even recently, if you see the big budget mythos that we launched, they always get more viewership than your normal shows. Um, but I think with this Ramayan, what really, and I think it's it's amazing and it's really surprised everyone with the numbers because I think we saw these kind of numbers about seven, eight years ago um, on a show uh, called, um, which was based on Shiv Mahadev. I think the impact that Ramayan had in the 80s on the audience was so strong that no other remake in recent years could really compete with it and, you know, have the same impact despite of big budgets and, you know, lavish productions and everything. But I think just the simplicity and like Anjum Sor mentioned that, you know, the um, characters were so simple, even though you could see layering. Now, when you watch it again, you see a lot of layers in these characters. But uh, the way they were portrayed and the fact that, you know, the core theme being um, good versus evil, which is a theme that works always on television. You know, I think that's how the audience saw it. And of course, you know, with, it being on DD, we had a lot more family audience watching compared to, um, say, the audience that watches OTT today, where you can you know sit alone and binge watch. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. Is definitely you know this this COVID has been sort of a, the narrative has been around this um, binge watching of OTTs and and very personal individual viewing. Yet here comes this Ramayan, which is um, you know very obviously um, a, a family viewing. Um, uh, sort of program that people are sitting down and watching, and 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 very obviously it's 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 something that's almost bucked that trend um, in, in terms of of that kind of narrative. You know, today um, if we we look at the Ramayan, um, uh, and you know, Susanna talks about this idea of good versus evil, and I think that's a very simplistic way of looking at that story in terms of um, you know uh, Ram versus Ravan and you know things like that. But if we are looking at the Ramayan today. People of, of younger ages, or perhaps are not as connected with that story as 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 we were many years ago. Do you think the story uh, works with them? It resonates with them. The Ramayan is a religious has a religious value. That here there is a God who's come down to earth and see how consistent he is about his divine uh, you know approach. Now, actually, if you look at the original Valmiki Ramayan. And I'm talking about the text that I'm referring to, which is the translation, the English translation of the critical Sanskrit 18th century edition, which is regarded by far as the most, the oldest and perhaps the more authentic edition. 
of the Ramayana. There's a lot of complexity in that. There's a lot of internal turmoil that the character is going through. It still lends itself to that consistency that the character is aiming for. And yet in the process, there are so many doubts, there are so many, uh, so much of pain. Okay, there's unbearable separation that he goes through. No, that makes it much more human. If we were to actually not rob it of this interiority, of this internal turmoil that I'm referring to, then I think it would resonate much more with the younger audience, the OTT audience, because those characters become more accessible as human beings. Much as he was a Vishnu avatar, but the whole notion of avatar, the concept of avatar in Indian mythology, is not that the man is a god. It is God who has come down in the form of a man and therefore has to live on earth and go through the pains and the travails and the dilemmas that a human being goes through. And yet the capacity that he displays is of an extraordinary nature which is only worthy of being called divine. But there is still all the pain and the trouble. That, so that resonance, those dilemmas, those questions, those hard choices that he is going to make, it doesn't mean you have to agree with it. I mean, Ram, Ram made some difficult choices. I mean, there was the whole notion of what happened between him and Sita after the Lanka battle was won, which has always raised questions. So I'm not talking about agreement. I'm talking about you being able to relate to it. That, yeah, from his point of view, this is perhaps what he was going through. And I end up disagreeing, but I understand. The Ramayana which we saw on TV, which Ramanan Sagar made, I am really very sorry, shortchanged the power of that epic. The depth of that layer which runs under the Ramayana text is actually where the power of the story lies. Whereas Ramanan Sagar chose to skim it on the surface and as Susanna said, played it in binaries, made it simplistic, good, bad. There are no dimensions given to Ravan, for example. I mean, Ravan was a hero in his own right, which went wrong because of this obsession and how, how, sort of, how it ended up destroying everything that he stood for until then. Now, there is something there which we can relate to because there is a human look at the character. This, if it is brought out, and even today, in spite of this Ramayana being etched in people's memory, I feel that version of the Ramayana would work extremely well. But do you ever think that the Ramayana can be remade like that? Do you ever think that the audience will ever see it as anything more than just this, this tale of, of a, 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 a man, a, a god-man uh, on earth? I definitely, definitely feel so. In fact, it would be interesting to see that the two-part, or could even go to three-part, uh, film that uh, Madhu Mantena is producing, which I believe, uh, I think Nitish is, Tiwari is directing. Yes, directing, that's so, right. Yeah. So they've done, they've written out two parts, and I think they're contemplating working on the third part. I, I haven't seen the script yet, but I hope to someday. That they it will be a version which will be true to the Ramayana, but which will also resonate with the modern generation. Let me give you a simple example. All the three characters, if you look at Ram, Lakshman, as well as Sita, these are the three who spent 14 years in the forest together. There is a clear understanding and an attachment to what they believe is their duty. And the duty doesn't come out of rules, it comes out of your loyalty and your depth of feeling for the relationship that you have. Lakshman feels that, no, I do not want to abandon Ram at this stage. I love him. 
I cared for him as a result of which I would like to go there. Now here I'm putting it differently instead of saying as a brother, it is my duty to follow you and therefore I have to be the ideal brother. No, the point is I have, I have this deep feeling for you. I really, we have a very close relationship. I care for you. I don't want you to be alone. You can do with me. I insist that I will come along. Take the case of Sita, most importantly. Today, if they, the younger women see the version of Sita, which is sort of handed down as this very ideal wife, there is a certain quality of submissiveness, docility to it, obedience to it. Never challenge what your husband, the man, says, or your, what your father, the man, said. Actually, if you look at the Valmiki Ramayana, you will be surprised that Sita was a very feisty, independent-minded, strong-willed person who was never afraid to challenge her husband when she believed that some of his actions or decisions may be actually against what she believes he should be doing. I'll give you a simple example. And I'm quoting from the original Valmiki Ramayana, okay? Which somehow gets subdued because it doesn't seem to, such behavior and these dimensions don't seem to fit in with what the makers are trying to project, which is that I'm saying that to, to sort of pigeonhole these characters into a larger framework of what believe, they believe morality should be like. Because morality should not be so narrow, it is never so narrow. When Ram comes back from Kaikai's chamber after being told by her in presence of his father that you have to abdicate the throne and you have to go to the jungle for 14 years. So he comes back and he wants to make arrangements because he believes he should be going alone. When Sita asks him, he mentions of course and tells her this. And she says, I will come with you. He says, no, you will not come with me. She says, I insist that I will come with you. And he makes the mistake of actually saying, I forbid you. Now, there must have been a Sanskrit word for it, which I don't have, but this is a literal translation. I forbid you from coming. What is her response? Her response is, who are you to forbid me? Who are you to stop me from going? Because you're my husband? Because you're a man? And she's challenging his authority as a husband, as well as a man. She says, I want to come because it's my choice. So effectively, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you that I will be coming along. Of course, is he very delighted? Of course he is, because he loves her and it would be wonderful to have her there. It would relieve a hell of a lot of things if she's around with him. But this is her position. When they are leaving, and just because just before they reach the Saryu River, both Ram and Lakshman, she notices, are wearing their arms. They're wearing the bow and arrow and sword, etc. And she challenges them at that time. And she says, you can't take these, because what you take into your hand is what you take into your heart. And when you take that into your heart, you will be forced to use it. If it's there, you will use it. No, you have to abdicate even violence and leave it behind. So going to the forest is a purge. She has a wiser look. She has a more mature, more profound look at what this exile really means. It means there's a certain, you're, you're purifying yourself. So you have to get rid of this. Lakshman, of course, insists and he talks about the whole Kshatriya sort of role and dharma, etc. And as a result of it, she backs off. Because it is their decision. They are the ones who are carrying them. But she challenges them and she has a view. Repeatedly you find her having that view. Then in the end, her refusal to come back uh, to him and instead asking for Mother Earth to accept her, which means she would rather give herself away and give up her life rather than come back. Now, all this I'm saying, which is there in the original text, if this is what were to be tapped, if these kind of questions were to come up and allow people to actually locate those kind of questions within themselves, which, which, which are there, then I think it becomes a modern version, because that is the beauty of mythology, Rahul, that it is eternal, 
and it's universal and it has resonance at both these levels let's keep our fingers crossed for for madhu and and nitish tiwari's uh, version then um susanna um do you think that that the success of this um ramayan uh, on doordarshan um is going to pave the way for sort of more yeah yeah i mean um, like i said that we're all appalled with the numbers that the ramayan showed and i mean star star has already grabbed it up and uh, you know um uh, te- retelecasting it uh, whereas if i was to talk to anyone a couple of months ago and say that let's uh, retelecast the dd national ramayan they would have probably shut the door by face and asked me to get lost uh, because what kind of production value and you know i mean how can you even suggest something like that that would have probably been the argument uh, but today everyone's grabbing it up and like i said the television always has been hungry for mythos even um, on normal television channels on a normal day you will find that mythos have more viewership than daily soaps um so definitely it will open up of course i mean we are all hit uh, by covid and we are all hit um, in terms of you know budgets and stuff and mythos any mytho that will be remade now even if it's ramayan it'll definitely be you know with a very lavish production uh, setup and you know big sets and everything sure 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 and anjuma as a as a as a sort of last question um on this um in in terms of uh, mythological stories and obviously the ramayana the ramayana and the mahabharata are the two big um sort of epics that come out of that time but um in your view are there are there other uh, mythological stories that you know we we perhaps uh you know have have missed out on um over the last maybe 20 30 years that that have an opportunity to now sort of uh, be looked at with a with a different lens yes yes indeed i mean uh, myths in india uh, virtually have a whole sort of universe of stories within them and what we need to rescue it from i'm sorry is from it them being looked at as as religious okay the whole uh, mythology actually is it stays over time not because of any religious affiliation or religious significance in fact i suspect when it began there weren't these gods i mean it is said that in the mahabharata and this is documented evidence that before the 11th century ad there was no character of krishna krishna later got introduced into the story today you can't imagine a story the mahabharata without krishna because he is so pivotal there so the point is it has been an evolving story where a lot of things got added on because the layers began to get unpeeled and really speaking mythology is an external representation a dramatic storytelling of the depths of human nature so there if you really look at it even if you were to look at say love stories okay there's nal and damyanti which is a subset yep. of that there's kach devyani there is uh, satyavan and savitri there is in fact if you if you take from the mahabharat main story itself there's krishna and rukmini you can create a story love story out of abhimanyu and uttara there arjun and subhadra arjun and uh, also bhima and uh, draupadi there are many of these love stories possible plus there are subsets which you can take you can either adapt it by creating a modern version or you can elaborate that what mythology allows you is that it should not be treated like a fixed static text it's a living story 
if rahul puri were to tell that story it acquires some bit of rahul puri's understanding his individuality his subjectivity gets involved in that and that still remains valid it has it has been hijacked by the religion religionists it has been hijacked by those people who use it only for pravachan it has been hijacked by patriarchy here okay which is why the women characters then in the later versions get reduced to watered down characters yeah. and uh, watered down so the point is that it's one can use one's imagination and mythology invites you to do that it in fact no ramayan speaks to you and the mahabharat speaks to you saying make me your story okay excellent well um i think we are just about out of time um for for this conversation it's been a it's been a thrilling um chat and uh just a shout out to um uh, all of our listeners uh, if you haven't heard uh, any of the gunj podcasts uh, please do go visit uh, gunjpodcast.com if you can't find us on on that website then you can find us on spotify so thank you all very much stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time